Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It is my pleasure to welcome Zachary Yost to the podcast. Welcome, Zachary. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Zach, you are an integration lead at CNS. What that really is, that's a scheduling role with some coordination, involving, heavily involved in the work management process. And what we want to talk about today is how to remove wasted time and frustration from the maintenance process. But what's going to be unique about this is you are the practitioner who's been working on eliminating this waste. And you're going to tell us about your journey in eliminating that waste today. Although super brief, what can you tell us about yourself, kind of high level, your journey, how long you've been involved with this, that sort of thing. All right. So my journey began probably about 14 years ago, uh, my first exposure to maintenance process. And that was back when I was a, I guess, a maintenance technician at a movie theater here locally in East Tennessee. And from there, I went to Y12, where I became a apprentice, uh, IBEW electrician. And I was an electrician in the organization until 2015 timeframe, where I became a maintenance planner and took that next step. Um, so I was reading and, and noticed that some comments about maintenance and reliability. So I feel like the uh, my my transition from a reliability-centered maintenance approach really happened around that 2015 timeframe when I got more exposed to um, all of the legwork and all of the details that happened kind of behind the scenes. Um, I became a planner um, and I was in that role for roughly three years. And in 2019, I took this current position that you spoke of, the integration lead, that handles the scheduling and coordination. And that's really when... Um, my frustration started to build. I started looking around me and noticing, you know, there was a lot of waste, as you pointed out, a lot of opportunities for growth, um, a, a lot of opportunities just to, to make our, our maintenance approach better. Um, so for me, my frustration didn't get much of anywhere until uh, Rick Clonan and the Ardicio team came on board. And that's kind of when my eyes were open to not just um, a better way, but a, a better way that I could apply and I could walk through. And so I'd say that that was the, that was the biggest change for me was understanding how to channel that frustration and how to grow from it. And that, that journey started in the 2020. So a little over a year ago. And, and honestly, that was the, that was the biggest step for me then was, was just getting the opportunity to understand, you know, how, how do all these elements of the maintenance process work together? Um, how is their waste uh, going from phase A to phase B of the maintenance process uh, and so on? All right. Excellent. Well, we share a very similar background. I myself started off as an electrician, went into a maintenance planning role and so on and so forth. So very interesting. And yeah, so the frustration, learning how we're connecting A to B, eliminating that waste, very, very important. Now, as part of you know this process of eliminating the waste and improving, what were some of the goals that you're looking for to improve the workflow process? All right. So some of the goals that we had uh, really targeted back to the 
planning aspect of the maintenance process. So here at our company, uh, we realized that, um, that there was a lot of turnover within the planner group. Um, and a lot of that was just because they felt like they were, you know, being never, never able to satisfy the demands of the job, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, it seemed like there was a, a piling backlog that never seemed to, to dwindle down and just continue to grow. And the expectations for them continued to, to grow. So for us, the main, the main focus was within that planning. And so our, our first steps there were to, I guess, really focus in on what their specific frustrations were. And then from that, um, look at what, what specifically we could tackle along the way. All right. Now, how did you guys go about identifying the wasted time, the frustrations, these barriers and challenges? How'd you go about identifying all those different problems that you wanted to solve? All right. So uh, with, with the assistance of Coach Rick from Eardicio, um, he helped us walk through what we call the brown paper exercise, which I'm sure is a pretty common element. Um, but I, I will say that I didn't understand or quite realize the value of, of mapping out a current state process flow until we did it. Uh, once it's up on, the, up on the wall or up on the screen, it made it a lot easier to understand how each element flowed into each other. And so we use that exercise. Um, as far as our team goes, we, we made sure we had proper representation from each major action owner along the maintenance phase. And we kind of opened up the area to, to allow people to speak freely about what their frustrations are within their own process and what their frustrations are within the processes that both led and came after them. Um, and then from there, uh, we, we essentially grouped up all those frustrations and we tried to, um, I guess, com come to common ground, understand perspectives and, and look, into, look into how those frustrations were making us behave within this process. Um, and I, th I think it's a, a big, a big impo an important element, I should say, is that, as I've heard it said, is that frustration is simply just the emotional, the emotional response to an inefficiency or waste that you're encountering. So we kind of took it from that angle that we're not frustrated with the personnel, we're frustrated with the system. So that was our biggest focus of, okay, well, if, if the people themselves are all doing their part, um, how can we adjust the system or process to work better for us? I I really like what you said there. It was not the frustration with the personnel, the people, it was the process. And when we're doing these types of activities, I think we really need to focus in on, like you said, the process. What is the electronic process, physical process that's occurring? What are the gaps in those? Not focus on the people because the moment you focus on people, everyone gets, shuts down, gets nervous. They don't want to do things. So I really like how you put that. Sorry, thank you. Now, once you had all those issues on paper, did it seem overwhelming? We got all these problems we got to fix. Where do we start? Was that overwhelming? Yeah, absolutely. It was overwhelming. Um, I think we had more frustrations identified than process steps. And so uh, for us, you know, looking at all those frustrations, I, I think the most challenging part that we had really was understanding what we needed to focus on first. And so that was the specific element, I'd say, that was, that was very overwhelming uh, since we had so many areas where where people were frustrated. Um, it was just knowing how to channel that and, and where to start in this journey. All right. So when you looked at all that stuff, what were some of the key processes that had to be corrected? What were the themes coming out? Where did you need to focus? 
Okay, so um, some of the key processes. So looking at the maintenance process in its entirety, uh, we have a work submittal process through prioritization and the planning and so on. And so we realized that that the early, the earlier into the process we could make a change, the more likely we were to have downstream impacts from that change. And so looking at the very beginning, um, we under, we noticed that there was a, a lot of issue within the quality of the work request that was being submitted. And so that is that was the first element that we went to tackle. And, and specifically, there was a five downstream frustrations within planning and prioritization that were all a, uh, a, a cause of the effect, if you will, of a poor quality work request. So that is where we started. Um, and then within the planning, you know, we noticed that a lot of the frustrations were that the planning department was having to carry the burden and the load of all those support organizations, you know, involving permitting or procurement. So they were the essentially the uh, the pushers, and we understood that you know we we can no longer require the planning to continuously push all these downstream or all these outputs to perform their task in order to help them perform their task. So I think those were the main two elements. Um, and to summarize there, that'd be the quality of the work coming in and then making sure the planners were not overextending themselves and they were responsible for just the action that they were expected to perform. All right. So making sure we got good work requests coming in. So having the right information so we could actually properly pri approve, prioritize and start the planning process. And then making sure the planners were focused on what planners should be doing, which is developing job plans. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and so also I will say in our work environment here, that's highly regulated. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of additional documentation that's required before we can execute work in the field. So that was another part of it was identifying what was needed, what, and then what we could require on the front end, and then having that documentation required so that later in the process, we weren't having to scramble to try and figure out where it fit. Okay, perfect. Now, how did you go about developing a future state that would address all these different issues? Was it back to that brown paper thing? How did you guys go about coming up with the solutions? Yeah, the brown paper exercise was a was a big portion of that. Um, I, I remember one of the one of the most impactful elements of the training that I had was the RACI, and it's a very simple concept, but understanding who was responsible and who was accountable. Um, of each major step, I think really helped us with determining what our future state was going to be. Uh, we realized that if we were not aligning the action with the person who is responsible, that we were going to introduce waste in the process. And so for, for a very simple example, if, if the planner is the only person using the CMMS, and for us, that's SAP, and they're having to make all status changes and they're having to make all comments then the action of say ordering a material, if it went back to the planner for that function, then we're having the planner step in and do something that, that ultimately they're not a responsible party for. And so I think that was a big part of it for us, was just making sure we were aligned uh, in the actions and, and who was responsible and who's accountable for those actions. And then looking at the waste aspect of it, um, some of the frustrations were from waste and waste and in, in there being um, handoffs in the process. So uh, I, I've heard with the Six Sigma group, 
um, you know, a Kanban. So what is my visual indicator? And so that was another part of it as well is, is how can we use these visual indicators? And in our case, that would be SAP statuses to inform all other participants in the maintenance process of where the work is um, and then who has the next action. So I think that was also an element that we focused in on was just trying to make sure that those handoffs from point A to point B of the process was clean. Um, another focus for us was uh, automation. And with that, I will, I will have to say that Rick was very hesitant of automation at times because he pointed out to us, and, and it makes perfect sense, that we don't want to automate a wasteful process. Ideally, if we don't need it, we, we get rid of it. But we don't want to make, we don't want to go faster doing the wrong thing, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, but there were elements we could automate. Uh, for example, uh, we, we've put in a future state where the uh, planners, if they need some sort of permit, uh, they're not having to send out emails and follow up. By putting that information into SAP, we now trigger an automatic email that goes to that action owner, and then they are now responsible for their own action rather than the planning staff having to push for each element uh, needed to create a completed work order. All right. Excellent. Yeah. I have to agree with Rick where we don't want to automate a wasteful process, but where automation works, I agree 100%. That's what we want to do. Um, but it, it's a challenge. You got to find that, that balancing point or, you know, balance automation versus making sure you have a good process without waste. There's a lot that goes into that. So it sounds like you guys are able to achieve that balance. That's, that's, that's the goal anyways. <laughs> All right. Perfect. So, did you run into barriers with the maintenance execution team or senior leaders in trying to revise this process? Yeah, we've, we've run into a few. Um, and I'd say a lot of those are just from a, a legacy beliefs um, in the maintenance process. And so uh, historically, uh, whenever there's been any, any issue with, with a maintenance job, for example, um, it seems to always have fallen back on the planning department. So because of that, the planning department was, has, has been very defensive of their role in the process. Um, also, I will say that, that it's been a tightly held belief that the CMMS is for planning. Um, for some reason, we have only trained planners on how to use SAP. So all those other individuals who are required in the maintenance process relied on the planners solely for those SAP functions. And so that, that's been a challenge, I will say, to step away um, from that belief and to get others involved and others trained. Um, going back to, you know, the, the racy and, and lining up who's the action owner. It doesn't make sense for me as a scheduler to expect a planner to change a work order to schedule an SAP and assign a work week to it when that is the action that I'm doing. And so that was that's, that's been a challenge, I would say, to build that trust and then build the educational aspect of it to understand how to use SAP. And then on the senior leaders, um, I, I feel like they, for the most part, the senior leaders within maintenance have been understanding of the challenges um, that we're facing and have been there right along with us. Um, but the maintenance process doesn't stay purely within maintenance. And there's elements where engineers are submitting work requests and then you have your um authorizing managers who are assisting with the prioritization and those individuals come from different groups. So for them, I feel like the senior leaders have been, uh, have been anxious to see changes 
um, and not as interested in the process to get the change. So I'd say that the that the barriers there have been just a, a desire to see a switch flipped, help us get to where we want to be and, and not as patient with the process to get us there. Yeah, I think both those things are common in a lot of other organizations. I, there's always a challenge of getting the craftspeople to use SAP, you know, put the right information in the work request, close out the work orders, those sorts of things. And then senior leadership wanting to see the results. So I think both those are common regardless of what organization you're working in. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com Now, the million-dollar question that everybody wants to hear, I'm willing to bet, is how did you overcome some of those barriers? Because trying to get people not easy. Yeah, not easy. Um, so, so I, I, I wish I could say all those barriers were overcome, but we're not there yet. We are still working on it and we're, and we're still in the middle of this, of this, um, educational aspect of, of learning of, of what the better way is and how to apply it. Um, I'd say that the lack of trust within planning, that is a slow, uh, change in mindset. And so that is something we're working on. And, and I think that the main part there has been um, showing the planning staff that, hey, I can go into a work order, I can make some modifications, and I am not changing anything that is related to your aspect because it's, it's not my place to do so. Um, so I think just time is helpful. Time doing the right thing, that specifically is, um, is, is a big part of that. Um, and as far as the uh, other aspects, you know, looking at the other groups, how, how they apply, I think the metrics have been beneficial for us. Um, so even though it's hard to see changes at times when you're just 10,000 foot view looking at a situation, if you look at the numbers on the back end, sometimes that provides additional, uh, I guess, part of the story. And so even though we're not exactly where we want to be yet, we can see month in and month out that that the steps we're taking are improving the overall duration of maintenance, which in turn improves the, you know, uh, reduces, I should say, mean time to repair. It's improving equipment availability for production. So, so I, th I think that, that for us, um, leveraging that aspect of it has, has been helpful in, in showing that, hey, we're doing the right thing. Um, it's, it's, it's a slow process, but we are working towards it. And that's, that's helping build confidence that, that we are taking the right steps. All right. Excellent. I like how you focused on education metrics, the things that people can see, and we can see the improvements over time. Cause it's very easy to forget where we were before and just accept that this is still not good enough. But if you can see that journey of where we were before, like you said, whether it's mean time to repair availability and see the improvements in there that helps people understand, realize the journey and the work that has come so far. Um, now, I believe I remember talking to Rick and there was some conversation around how long it took to plan a job prior to some of this optimization. What was the original planning time before the optimization and what is it now? All right. So um, at the beginning of the process, when we pulled historical data, we were looking at roughly 40 to 60 days 
from a work order to be created to when it became uh, what we call ready for scheduling. And so we're looking at that's that's a month and a half to two months. So not a great time frame. Um, I will say that capturing or jumping back to where we were earlier, you know, we are in a highly regulated environment. So um, we're not even sure yet really what our what is a true in state, what is a good goal for us. But I can say that uh, looking at the numbers from August to present, uh, we're looking at 30 to 35 days in those same facilities. So that's between a 10 and 25 day improvement um, from a month to month duration. That is a significant improvement. Um, that is, that's fantastic. Um, I'm sure everyone that Smith's work request is a little bit happier too, if we're getting it down, down from 40 to 60, down to 30, 35. I'm sure everyone's real happy about that. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope so. Yeah. <clears throat> now, what would you have done differently looking back on all the progress you made so far? Were there times where, oh, we could have done this differently or we could have explained that differently or we could have done something differently to either improve the adoption, improve the performance, those types of things? Yeah, um, I, I would like to say moved quicker is going to be the, the, the main theme. Um, so I, fe I felt like with the educational aspect of it, we, we had someone in Rick coming in, teaching us a better way. Um, from leaving that situation, it felt like at the beginning, Rick was having to continuously come back, coach us. Uh, I think the words he used was hold a revival, get us, in, get us engaged once again, and then hopefully, and then get set us back on our path to, to making improvement. So I felt like we could have been more serious with some of the hard changes earlier on. Um, I think that would have been a big improvement aspect for us. Um, and those, those, those changes, you know, in, in the quality of work request. You know, we talked about how that's such a frustrating element, but actually developing a checklist and, and getting training out there that takes time to do, um, that may have moved slower than we would have liked. Um, from the planning, um, I think we maybe didn't look at improvement creatively enough. So it's hard to understand, you know, how can we get these action owners to take their steps? Uh, so once the planning supervisor ha had a kind of a, a breakthrough thought of, well, how can we how can we leverage SAP to do some of the work for us? I think that was a big game changer, but it, it took a while to get there. Um, and so I would like to think that, you know, had, had we seen the fruit of our work earlier on or, or could have seen, again, gotten an idea of, of what our changes could do. Um, I would say just that starting earlier uh, to get us far along the journey than we are now would have been the would have been the biggest benefit. All right. Excellent. So some great words of wisdom. Now, what would you tell those who are looking to improve their workflow processes? Is it education? Is it start right away? What would you tell them? Uh, I, yeah, both those things. Um, so if, if we're looking at change, any type of, any type of change is hard. Um, I know at work here, we use the ad car process. You know, if it starts off with awareness and desire those are the main two elements and followed right after that, we have knowledge. Um, I do believe that those are all very important process or very important parts of the change management process. So I think grasping those from the get go is, is going to help you. Um, so I would tell any of those individuals who are wanting to improve their workflow process to start it the way we did. Uh, look at your process in the entirety. Look at those frustrations. Uh, look at those frustrations specifically 
with the actions in it and not the people performing the actions. And then from there, as, as a game plan for uh, correction in the process is made, start with making those around you aware. Uh, maintenance process is, is not purely to individuals that fall into the maintenance organization. There are a lot of elements and a lot of players outside of the maintenance organization that have a direct impact to the overall flow of work. And so I think helping those individuals understand how they contribute is, is just as important as understanding or helping the planners understand how they contribute to the overall process. So awareness, a big element. Uh, from the desire aspect of it, um, you know, I, I think that when you look at your situation, you look at the frustrations that are going on. Um, I, I believe it's, it's universally accepted that we want to enjoy our work process. Um, and I think looking at a potential future state and then developing, looking at the gaps of, of what it takes to get there um, is a big uh, assistance in creating desire to make some steps. Um, and then the knowledge you, you hit on the training aspect of it. Uh, I think that's a very important part of understanding how to have a better maintenance process and a better maintenance culture. Um, you know, it's when I was a craftsman, I was given a job package. I went into the field. I did the work. I came back. Um, I never provided feedback because I didn't understand why feedback mattered. You know, if I was out fixing a, uh, a motor and I saw an issue with the uh, mounting frame, it never crossed my mind that I needed to report those kind of things to help us with the overall health of the asset. So I, I think that every person that has a step in the process needs to understand how they contribute and how they matter to the overall improvement of maintenance process. Um, and, and really that's, that's one of the bigger elements, I think. Yeah. Using that ad car model, I find makes a huge, huge difference because you can bring people through that journey. You start, like you said, with the awareness, desire, the knowledge, then give them the ability to go apply that knowledge and then reinforce it in a couple other ways. You know, that is critical to making any sort of changes, whether it's small changes, large changes, um, no, really thinking through that, I think, is underrated. Now, yeah. What do you think makes the biggest difference in being successful in this? Is it that change piece? Is it the brown paper exercise? What do you think was the thing that made the biggest difference? The thing that made the biggest difference, I will say, is the, is the group and team effort that went in. Um, so I said early on that there was representation from each major action owner of the maintenance process. So I think that the, the biggest difference is having someone with unique perspectives from each major element, understanding their frustrations, um, understanding how the actions before and after them cause frustrations for them. I think that was the biggest difference. Um, in helping us improve the overall process. All right. Excellent. Yeah. That cross-functional approach, getting the different perspectives from the different functions, different people. I think that's vital to making these things sustainable. Um, anyone can sit in the room, come up with a new process on their own, getting it adopted, making sure we took all the considerations and viewpoints from others. That's a whole nother story. So I really like the team approach. Now yeah. we've talked a lot about making improvements to the workflow process. But what is the one thing you want our listeners to take away from 
the conversation today around either leading improvements, fixing the workflow process, what's the one thing you want them to take away? So the one thing I guess that I have become most passionate about is the communication aspect of it. Um, the, the waste that can come up in the communication aspect to specifically say. Um, so I hit on, you know, that there's a lot of cross-functional input required in the maintenance process. So I would say um, focus in on what your action is and then how you communicate your action and how you communicate that you're completed with your action. Um, I found a lot of waste simply because people didn't understand, you know, oh, hey, it's now my turn to do the action. You know, it, we don't need to be waiting on someone to pass on that information. There needs to be something in place that lets you know that, hey, it is my turn to start the process. Um, so for me, the biggest waste I saw, the biggest item that I could see to improve is just make those handoffs really clear. Um, work on those details within it, but ultimately making sure the handoffs are, are really crisp, I think is a, is a big overall opportunity that is personal. So it doesn't take a lot to change those around you. Um, but it's something that can definitely help the overall maintenance process flow. All right. Excellent. Yep. That handoff, that communication is vital, whether it's work order statuses, reports, all those things that we can semi-automate or automate makes a huge, huge difference. So great to hear. Well, Zach, I want to thank you for talking to us today about your journey in removing waste and frustration from the maintenance process. But before we go, where can people find out more about you? What adventure activities are you involved with at the moment? Anything like that you want to share? Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I will be honest, I am not much of a social media person. So you're probably not going to find out too much about me outside of this podcast. Um, I will say that uh, as I am learning about better maintenance, um, I am trying to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. I'm trying to express what I've learned because I, it's something that I've grown to be very passionate about. So we do have Mark on coming up at UT. I will be a speaker there kind of going over our journey as well. So that is an activity that I'm involved with at this moment. Um, other than that, I'm, I'm on the journey of continued enhancement of my knowledge um, of, of this whole maintenance process. So I am in the process of beginning uh, pursuit of my uh, CMRP just to kind of help me increase my, my understanding and therefore, um, and, and also the individuals around me as well. All right. Excellent. Well, if this podcast is any indication of what we're going to see at Marcon, I'm excited. Um, I'll be at Marcon as well. So I'm looking forward to uh, popping in on your presentation and learning some more about the journey. Um, but overall, I think, you know, what you've shared has been fantastic. Um, it's not easy, as you can probably attest to, but by walking through that process, having change management, having training and education, having all these different things in place, we can start to remove that wasted time and frustration. And as you said, you know, we went down from 40 to 60 days down to 30 to 35 days. That's a significant improvement, something to be proud of. So thank you, Zach, for sharing all this with us. I'm sure our listeners took away a ton. I definitely did. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. 
It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.